We're back with another S rank podcast, episode six, I think. Episode six. That's pretty wild. We're we're, we're getting up there in our in our old age, dude. Soon will be episode sixty six, then episode six hundred and sixty six, and then we can play Diablo four. It feels like the right number because being live here on the East Coast, it feels like we're in hell. Like it, it really... feels like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it feels like Blizzard's doing a a uh, real time <laughs> marketing of, uh, activation where they just made the skies of hell sweep over the East Coast of the United States because. For those who don't know, there's some wildfires happening in in Canada, and the the smoke is barreling down from Canada to like the entire northeast of the United States. Particularly, New York City has gotten hit yeah. really bad, and the surrounding area where we both are is mm-hmm. has been hit per- insanely bad. It looks like Diablo himself is about to come out of the skies. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a very big, uh, very expensive ARG <laughs> campaign. Yeah, we have to that, go outside. Uh... Yeah. Find the Lilith statues outside around New York. <laughs> God, it's it's really insane. Like I've never experienced anything quite like this before. It's uh like it is literally like red and brown and yellow outside. It smells terrible. It feels like the world's ending. Uh, and it's kind of felt that way all day. And I'm inside playing uh, you know, playing Zelda, talking about video games. Let's go. Diablo on the back burner. It's officially been out for a whole day. Uh, a whole day. And I even pre-ordered too. I pre-ordered the deluxe edition. So technically Just I had access. The early access. <laughs> well, because I was going to jump in and then I was like, nah, dog, I got like You're 100 hours. You're at the tail of end of Zelda now. You're at the yeah. tail end. I think I, I would guess I probably have about 140 hours at this point. Um, I, I believe I just got the final mission where it's basically, you know, like go this do blank it. and i'm pretty sure this that's is what it's yeah gonna be well, we all know who you're who what the final mission is in this we all know who you're what? Gonna fight. <laughs> a, it, a known villain in zelda games <laughs> wait who is the villain in, in zelda yeah it's what was the beetle right yeah, Be- beetle. <laughs> man if beetle turned out to be the villain that can you imagine nice. if like in a zelda game you went to go fight ganondorf and like he's standing there and all of a sudden he just gets fucking clapped uh, like a giant hammer or something like squashed and then like from above the hammer you just see the camera pans up it's just beetle <laughs> and you have to fight beetle to like, save hyrule yay or like whatever like <laughs> like sound clip he always has so fucking stupid oh, but God. but yeah dude that'll be quite the jump and then you got to rush yeah. diablo because then in 15 days from now you got final fantasy 16 i know oh my god it's like <laughs> Three games that like are going just consume your time so fully. Like I, I, I expect Final Fantasy sixteen to be like a pretty big ass RPG. Oh, dude! So I, I think I, I that's predict... another. That's a two hundred hour for sure. Yeah, probably anywhere from like fifty to two hundred, depending on how like I don't know, you know, completionist you want to be. But uh, yeah, I'm yeah, finally at least, closing up Zelda. At least, then... at least, so you close up Zelda, then you got to play Diablo straight mm-hmm. into Final Fantasy sixteen. Then at least you'll get to relax. Because you'll just be rushing from that to Pikmin 4. To Pikmin 4, baby. And then after Pikmin 4, you'll play Armored Core 6. Mm -hmm. And then after Armored Core 6, probably Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spider-Man. This is really a crazy year. Like for, I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere too. Like we, we knew a lot of projects were coming in the pipeline, but like just the rapidity with which they have started coming out this year, like they started at the beginning of the year and it's just been like, you know, a nonstop uh, relentless experience. Yeah. 
It's and great I, though. I, I love it. It's great to always have something to play. It's just funny that like, you know, when it really starts adding up, I was just like, but I really want to play Diablo. I've been waiting like 10 years for this. And I was like, but I have to finish Zelda. I was waiting like six years for this. And, you know, I will say just... Diablo is, is great. It's awesome. My only thing that I'm just waiting for more people to catch up to where I am so that I can like mm-hmm. have people to grind stuff out. I, sure. I, I don't know if I would enjoy the game as much if I wasn't doing it constantly with friends. Interesting. Um, I blasted through the campaign. Like I loved the campaign. I finished it at level 50 out of a hundred where the leveling like slows down tremendously. Yeah. slows down tremendously around like 40. But like now that I'm there, I'm like, Oh, I really want to be doing all this, all these dungeons, all these strongholds with people. I want to like yeah, do yeah. this stuff with friends. I want to get to a hundred mostly in co-op. I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to be solo the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like that's uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, more of your thoughts about the game. Cause like, you know, Diablo is such an interesting franchise. Like it's changed around so much as we've, we've talked about in the past. Like I, when I was younger, like I always played it more like a single player kind of thing where I just, you know, the joy of kind of, you know, blasting through things in cool, dark environments was like the fun. But, um, and then as I got older, you know, I played Diablo three with friends and it's like, there's that social part that's super fun too. So I kind of wonder, I'm wondering how I'm going to feel about it when I jump into it. Like, you know, is it something that I enjoy just kind of immersing myself in and losing my time in, or, you know, do I want to kind of have it be that, that MMO sort of, you know, grindy social kind of thing. Cause it's tough. They're trying to, you know, get into a very packed market of uh service multiplayer games and yeah. I, I wonder how it's going to shake out a hundred percent yeah and i i'm interested too it's going to be really cool to see like it's uh potentially something where they can update every couple months with really good like cool story bits mm-hmm. and then you can do have seasonal grinds uh, it's it'll be really interesting i had never played Diablo before i always assumed it had pvp so to find out now that it's like this is like a new thing for the yeah. game, I think well, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out too. Yeah, like yeah. PvP metas and stuff. Will they make like arenas, like kind of yeah. like a? I'm interested like in Souls? that too because PvP. It's funny, like in Diablo two, Diablo two had PvP, and some people for some people like that was actually like the game, the, game. the end game yeah. for them. But it's just it's funny thinking back because like you know games were so different. Like it was a very basic version of the game was not balanced around it at all, and you know you would basically like declare war on someone in town and then you'd both meet out in the world somewhere and just you know go toe to toe and you could get you know corpse camped where you couldn't even get your your stuff back because someone was just like you know absolutely smashing you the entire time and then uh diablo 3 famously launched without pvp and then later on they were like oh here you go finally some pvp and it's just like a random little arena in town that no one ever used so yeah it's basically yeah yeah, d3 had like no pvp to speak of so it's it's cool. I think it's cool to see them bring it back because I think similar to uh, something like Destiny, like I think PvP is the glue that kind of holds so much PvE stuff together. Like if I'm just grinding a PvE I thing agree. forever, I don't enjoy that as much as like there being some way to kind of just be around other players and like be seen, yeah. see them, that kind of thing. I think it's PvE unless it has some kind of setup like World of Warcraft or WoW where it can be based around like raids and raid content and mm-hmm. upping the challenge on the like pve content right yeah. like i think i i'm not 100 sure i just kind of got up to it but i'm pretty sure that looks like they're borrowing aspects of the mythic dungeons for diablo 4 Interesting. it looks like they have something called nightmare dungeons and I, okay. I got an item for like a nightmare dungeon key which looks almost like it has some kind of similar usage to a mythic key mm. um 
yeah, it looks interesting. I'm not sure if it adds like affixes and stuff to the dungeon, but but I want to. I'm excited to check it out for sure. Yeah. It looks it looks really cool. I'm, I know. I, I know. So far, I'm having nothing. a great time. I know nothing about like the end game systems in Diablo Four. Like I, I specific, I kind of tried to stay as like you know little knowledge about it as possible. So all I know of the game is what I played briefly in the beta. So I'm like, oh man, I hope I have a lot to talk about next week. Like I yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I'm diving into it after so many people have literally put like hundreds of hours into it already. <laughs> well, not yeah, hundreds, but I mean, many days it's been, but I'm, I'm going to be gone too this, the rest of this week. So hopefully by the time I'm back, maybe you'll be able to catch. I'm not, you, you probably could catch up by then if you just blast through the campaign. Yeah. But, um, all right, let, let's jump over. We're, we're going to come back to Diablo because oh, yeah. a lot of the interesting things happening with Diablo, but yeah, uh, let's, let's industry, jump to man. something that, uh, was announced this week that honestly, Speaking I think everybody it. could be, Shaking everybody could use this industry. today shaking up the industry but everybody could use a pair of uh goggles today with all the smoke going on and <laughs> apple just announced the apple ski goggles i mean the apple vision pro dude imagine if you had your apple vision pro you could go out in the apocalypse use right your, now use a macbook see, yeah in the, see everything yeah in the depths of hell that is new york <laughs> um apple this week introduced the apple vision pro which they're calling app which they're calling their first spatial computer i actually do i do I like think the term that's really computer. cool i think that's gonna help a lot because like the big thing about this is so many people are confused as to what the hell it actually is like yeah it just yeah. it most people when they think of you know ar vr like they're thinking like an oculus quest or something like that excuse me a meta quest um yeah and well, why don't you back it up and, and give a brief overview of what what this is what it does sure yeah 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 so as we're from what we've seen, you know, this has been in the rumored to have been in the works for years with Apple's R&D stuff. And uh, essentially, I mean, I, I watched a little presentation. I thought it was really cool. It is their approach to basically an entirely new platform for computing, which is how they're trying to pitch it here. You know, it's not just like, oh, you throw on your headset and, you know, play some games. They're saying like this is we've we've done the work to make this headset that you put on as seamless uh, an interaction with like a digital world combining with your environment in, you know, as like a full augmented reality kind of way. And they've, according to you know, what they've said with the tech specs, like the resolution on this thing is like unbelievable. I think it's like 4K screens in the size of a postage stamp, like per eye. Um, insane pixel density. Um, it's insane. The M2 processor, which is, you know, Apple Silicon, it's incredibly powerful. Um, all that kind of thing to basically say, you know, this is, and th this is the thing that I think is going to be such a, uh, you know, a hard, hard sell for people who haven't like, you know, aren't fully, you know, into this scene or aware of what it is, is like the, the yeah. level of, of immersion that this can bring truly like interacting with your environment is going to be huge for like, you know, industrial sectors, education, um, just entertainment, lots of really cool things. And they're, they're pricing it, you know, outrageously high. That's, that's the joke that everybody's obviously touching on right now. It's $3,500 to buy one of these things, yeah, which is a lot are, of money. People are like offended. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, I can't blame them. Like, I think it's, it's Apple. Apple's job right now is to convince people, you know, of what this is and what it's for. And, um, you know, it's not yeah. anyone's fault if they look at this and are just, they don't get it, you know, but I think that similar to what we saw with like the iPhone and, and, uh, you know, big tech, platform launches like this that kind of change the way we interact with things and the way we compute do computing i think it'll it'll probably take a couple of years for this sort of thing to to pick up but i mean i, I just think it's so cool like the I, I like that they're calling it a spatial computer i think that really helps because for a lot of people again you know you think like 
oh, the MetaQuest, that's like, I can buy one of those for like 250 bucks, man. Like, why would I spend, you know, 3000 right. more dollars on this? And it's like, you know, it's not just a headset to play Beat Saber in. Like they're, right. they're pitching it as like, this is literally a full computing work entertainment environment that you live in and interact with, you know, with your hands, with your eyes, with eye tracking, all that kind of thing. So it's, I mean, for me as a, as a software developer and someone who spends a lot of time on the computer, like it's never quite clicked for me until this presentation thinking about like the clarity of the screens, like the speed of their processors to be, to be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I have like multiple desktops and windows open on my MacBook when I'm working. And it's like, if I could just throw a headset on with a wireless keyboard and, you know, have these Boom. screens like floating around me, like a hundred inches wide in my living room, like that's pretty cool. You know, $3,500 cool. No, not at launch for me, but you know, I think it'll come with time and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to just be like wildly, you know, fanboy or, or overly optimistic about it. I just, I love seeing like, you know, really cool experimental technology come out. And I think Apple hasn't done this in a while. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, um, I think it's like the start of something that we haven't seen since like <clears throat> laptops and cell phones emerged. I feel like this is to yeah, me yeah, is for sure. the first step into a new realm of technology of yeah yeah new way of computing a new way of technology um like i just keep picturing this like headset sitting on a completely empty desk and like that's all it is you know what and I that's, mean? Like, that's your workspace you know that's, that's your... your workspace no more yeah. and you can have like a notepad because you can still interact with the real world while you're using this computer that's floating in front of you <laughs> yeah um i think it might be hard for like mass market to really adopt this kind of tech until <clears throat> it gets to the point where it's like even more compact, like yeah, yeah. a pair of glasses, like, you know, mm -hmm. something like very small because this is something you brought up just from us talking um, is, you know, people, headsets can get uncomfortable after a while. Yeah, I actually yeah. I even, um, I had pulled up a, I was looking at a, uh, uh, hands-on just before this, which had a lot of details about the thing that I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, this is from CNB, CNBC. I think he, I think the reviewer who, who was it? Which is, I, I know some of their Steve Kovac. Yeah. I think I've watched some of this stuff. Um, he said around the 30 minute mark, um, he said like every other headset I've tested, it started to feel a bit heavy, uncomfortable at the end of my 30 minute demo. Mm -hmm. Which honestly, I'm even surprised that he said that because this looks yeah, insanely yeah. trim. I yeah. saw a picture. Oh, I meant to send this to you. I saw a picture of um, the Apple Vision Pro next to the PSVR 2. Mm. It's insane how small this thing is. Really? It's like a quarter Com of the comparatively. size. Wow, that's crazy. It's, it's like a quarter of the size. Yeah. It's yeah. really and that's, small. That's part of the cost, you know, is like just the, the R&D that goes into creating components that are this you know, small, relatively speaking. Um, I saw an interesting comment online, which I is interesting to see because like Apple's whole thing is, you know, premium quality. And obviously, like if they're selling something for this much, they want it to, to scream, you know, luxury. So obviously this thing is made out of like metal, glass, all that kind of thing, but which is great for that cost. But that stuff's heavy compared to plastics and stuff. So it's like, yeah, if they made this thing out of like ceramics or plastics or something, it would probably be significantly lighter. But then the trade-off there is like, people will be like, you're selling like plastic headset for, you know, $3,000. So it's kind of like, 
I don't even know necessarily how you would you would solve something like that. Oh wow, that is a we're looking at a wow, that is the comparison photo, the PSVR two and the Apple Vision Pro. I guess it's kind of floating there. I guess someone just did like a scale. Here, let me AR let me thing. actually do a uh, here. We'll do we'll pull the picture up bigger. Hold on. That's crazy, man. Insane. That mm. is so much smaller. I'm like <laughs> this. I'm sure the profile do, is yeah. Crazy this doesn't too. even like do it justice because. You can't even see here. Here's a different picture I'll pull up because you really can't even see how much uh, how yeah. much more goes into the PSVR two up top um, than the um, yeah. Let me see. I don't. Know. I think here. I think this thing is really gonna like once it comes out and it's look in people's that, hands. Dude. I think look I think this thing the, is really look gonna at this, look at the size difference. It's insane. Wow! 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 I I was a little surprised that the guy in the review said that after like 30 minutes, he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, you know, you're in a demo, you're standing, walking around with yeah. this thing. Like, I wonder if you're sitting down comfortably, like using mm-hmm. this for 30 minutes, if you'll really feel like fatigue. Yeah. Um, it looks so light and comfortable. But yeah, but but like I said, I, I from from the hands on, um, he mentions a lot of like really interesting things. Um, basically that the, the big things were like the eye tracking works fantastic, mm. which in the PSVR two, the eye tracking also is like a game changer. Yeah, I think yeah. once people, once more people try eye tracking, they'll realize like, Oh, I don't need to use a mouse anymore. Yeah. Like, like your eyeballs the, are so much faster than a mouse. You don't even realize until you're doing it. Yeah. Um, the only issue that I find with eye tracking sometimes versus like a mouse is mm-hmm. that like. You'll look at something, but you'll want to click on like something else. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like, you know, you'll be like, you'll look at something, and when you go to click it, you'll look at something else. But by the time you've looked at the next thing, that's now the thing you you want you're you're interacting with, because yeah, when, yeah. when it's that's what the computer is tracking it's, is the mouse is your eyeballs. Yeah, it's an instant jump. So it that's like the only adjustment is that like you have to get used to being like that is, is interesting. Like, that's there's there was something i watched a while back it was like uh, i think mit or something some kind of like a uh, research project where they were using like a uh, eye tracking to show when someone's like walking you know they're hiking they're walking across like you know stepping stones in a stream or something like where their eyes look and where their body goes and it's interesting humans do based kind of what you're saying like people tend to look at something then look to the next thing and then carry out the action on the first thing so like they would look at a rock look at another one and then step to the first rock. It's kind of like how your brain picks a target, you right, know, aims right. at it and looks at something else. And it's like, that is interesting yes. finding ways to kind of like change how we interact with stuff when it's like, oh, is that going against like how the brain physically, you know, looks at and interacts with objects versus, you know, what a camera is doing. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a lot um, of people getting other- paid a lot of money to come up with those solutions. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, some other things he mentioned, he said that like the external cameras basically track your fingers for the mm. finger movements, which when I first saw it in their preview video, I was very iffy about it because I, I can't imagine not having like a controller or a mouse to yeah. go through things. Same. But if, the, if, if he said it works really well, I've heard from other reviewers that it works really well. If the hand gestures and the eye tracking are completely seamless, I think it's going to be like when people were like, how are we not going to have a stylus? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like how, do we, how, how do I have like a phone without a keyboard? Yeah. I think this is the next step of that. I, this really feels to me like, um, 
yeah. when laptops cost four thousand dollars, when DVD players cost fifteen hundred dollars. Like, yeah, yeah, this is expensive, but this is like the first big step, in my opinion, of like of human interaction with technology yeah. since like the creation of like early laptops or touchscreen phones. Like this is such a big step and it's just gen one. Like people are going to yeah, look at yeah. this and say, this is novelty. Why would I use this? People said the same thing about the iPhone. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a, it's a leap. Like it's, it, you have to take that step and it's something Apple's, you know, they're, they're known yeah, for. Yeah. That's the funny thing too, is like, you know, the, the joke is always like, Oh, well, you know, Apple, does something that other people have been doing for years and then says they invented it. And it's like, I totally get that. They do have a habit of doing that sort of thing. But like, I think it's more so that they take, you know, ideas and stuff that have been out there and learn from it. And then they bide their time and do like an ass load of R and D to release like what they consider to be like the most, like they're not cutting corners here, man. Like that thing has about as much technology in it as I think that's, I don't even know if they're going to make money on that thing, to be honest, like based on how how much is in there. Like I think sales wise, this is going to look really bad. I think it's going to look really (laughs) bad, but I still think they'll make a gen two and a gen three. That'll be more compact and more advanced. And I think they want to see if they can crack that point of mass market consumer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, this you could almost compare this to what's like their crazy expensive desktop computer, like the Mac Studio or something like that. Um, yeah, they've, yeah, they've got the computers that, yeah, that can go up to like, you know, $10,000 or more. And, you know, your average person right. like you're, you want to build a those are for PC, like Pixar like, animators bingo like they they do have products that are for, you know, enterprise users specifically. And that tech kind of trickles down from there. And like this is not just competing against, you know, like the Oculus, excuse me, the MetaQuest. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, the MetaQuest or like, you know, the PSVR for games and stuff. This is competing against um, Magic Leap, you know, for interacting with like architecture yeah, designs, yes, the Microsoft yes. HoloLens, like right. lots of industrial yes. uses that I those things cost thousands that. and thousands of dollars. Yes. Yeah, so this is like blowing those out of the water and is about the same money or less amount of money. So it's like, you know, it's got its purposes, Dude, I think. Put- you put five of these in an anatomy class in in college, you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. the use you bring, cases, you, are... you get 3d car models over to automotive trade schools. Like these are tangible ways people can learn in a new way. Mm-hmm. Like this is like some of the demos I've seen. It's like, or some of the demos that have been released, like from the way people are talking about it firsthand and the demos that we've seen it, it it's like truly some Tony Stark shit, especially the way you can come, you can, uh, you can uh, actually interact with 3D models, like just pull yeah. them out, make them bigger, smaller, like pull them apart. It, mm-hmm. It's it's insane. The one, last thing I'll say um, is, uh, and then we'll, we'll relate to how this can actually impact on on gaming, which I am very interested to to see um, how this will how this will lead into new things for games, whether they're AR mm-hmm. games, VR games. Yeah, I, I think we'll see. I think we're gonna see some really cool stuff, but. The one thing this guy said in his review was um, <clears throat> uh, as someone who has tried just about every mainstream headset to date so far, I can tell you that the Vision Pro feels like a $3,500 machine. So he's go. saying um, he's saying, you know, the crowd groaned when the price was announced, but this headset feels like yeah, it's worth yeah. the price. Uh, he said it's much more advanced than it, its next closest competitor. Meta's Quest Pro, 
which if I'm being honest, I don't even think that's a competitor. I don't think yeah, there is yeah. a competitor to this. I think the competitor to this is like what you said. I think it's Microsoft's HoloLens. Yeah, industrial level stuff, you know, yeah. in the thousands. But um, I'm I'm debating if I want to get one. I, I might start putting <laughs> some money away. It's really expensive. Yeah. But like the thought of me using it, I... I I don't know. I need to see more hands-on stuff. I'm trying. I'm trying to decide, like, because it is a bit novelty. Like, I but mm-hmm. I also I bought an iPhone one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm the kind of person you know, I get so addicted to like the newest steps in tech. Yeah. Um, that I just want to be it. there when it's when it's out. And I have a MacBook. Like, I can use that instead. But I don't know. Like, I wanna. I wanna. I'm. I'm really interested. I'm really yeah, really yeah. interested. Even if it's just for me to like have on watch tv on the couch with my stupid ski goggles strapped down while i'm answering <laughs> messages but i want to yeah. see dude um, you can be that guy walking down the street with your googly eyes popping through the front of the headset <laughs> yeah dude on the plane and, and they got disney they brought out big bob Iger that was on hilarious. stage to say hey this thing is pretty sick this and pretty we're sick, gonna make yeah. some content for it so you got disney I think be over the, a superhero or something. I don't know, whatever. I think over the next few months, we'll see a lot of big brands coming out with partnerships with Apple for this yeah. thing. I think we'll see like smaller devs yeah. announcing really cool apps for this. I want to see like what apps are made. Um, it's also a huge advantage that like the last 20 years of tech, 15 years of tech have been app creation because we're kind of yeah, skipping that point. whole step of like, oh, we need an app store for this to be viable. That's that will be there. Yeah, it'll be yeah. so be interesting, and that that includes games. Yeah, um, and it seems like it actually seems like Apple has intent to step into this sphere of games and games mm-hmm. in general with the announcement of this product. Because at the same, I think it was almost simultaneously, they kind of stealth announced um, uh, a new like gaming environment. It's something similar yeah, to this, Proton. This stuff is really interesting. I'm actually very pleasantly surprised by this. Um, Mac, so why don't so, you why don't you yeah why don't you give an overview yeah, yeah. of what they announced? I I I read over this briefly. I think you mm-hmm. have a little more knowledge, but yeah, the cool thing that they announced was uh the game a gaming something they're calling the game porting toolkit that I think like anybody can really do. Um, and it allows you to basically like take a Windows based game, run it through this toolkit, and then it just like works on Macs now. And I yeah. even right before this, I'm gonna try this after after we record. I think. Someone already has a Diablo 4 running on an M1 Mac Pro. Wow. Mac Using Pro. this is already available for developers. Yeah, you can already... download game you wow. can download the game porting toolkit uh through X wow, uh wow. through uh yeah. X tools. I, I saw a video on Reddit earlier too of uh someone got like Cyberpunk running already. I mean yeah, it was, yeah, it's choppy, insane. but like it's for, literally it's just came out. Like and they, and they didn't they didn't have to modify the game to do yeah. anything. It just, I mean, just that, ran it through this and it, and it worked. But, but so yeah. so go through what Apple announced for us and, and give us an overview of what what they announced and also mm. what Proton is because I yeah. think people have like I think a lot of people don't understand that Mac runs yeah. on like a something similar to Linux. Yeah. Um, how like why this kind of matters for mm-hmm. Mac users and how it can expand on like the game like the game uh, environment yeah. as, as a whole. So this I actually think this is really really phenomenal for a lot of reasons. I think first and foremost is competition. I think uh, you know I love I love PC gaming and. Windows has a stranglehold on it. You know, they've had it for years. Um, so the more platforms that can run games and run games well, the better I think we'll all be. 
But tech-wise, uh, it's really cool to see Mac doing this. They've been releasing amazing hardware with their their M1, their M2 chips and stuff. But one of the issues for, for so many years is that Mac has never been gaming focused. And there's only like certain ports of certain games that run on Mac, all that kind of thing. So it felt silly, like over the past few years, they've been pushing really hard with like new graphics APIs and uh, upscaling techniques and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, where are the games? Yeah. And so at this WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference, they showed off one in uh, the new version of Mac OS that's coming. It's kind of like a gaming focused mode that like, you know, prioritizes performance and stuff, which is very cool. But this, this new tool, um, so basically Proton is, uh, this is, you know, just a, an overview I'm not super, super technically versed on. It's what uh, Valve uses to get the, the Steam Deck running Windows games natively on Linux. Essentially, it's like a compatibility layer that takes Windows code, code that's written for Windows machines, Windows hardware, uh, using like DirectX APIs, and it converts it into a manner that runs on Linux in, in real time. And that's with really good performance, actually. And it's pretty, it's kind of incredible stuff. Um, so you can write a program for Windows or a game for Windows and have it just run on a Linux machine. And it's not proprietary, you know, Valve open sourced it, it's available on all Linux distributions. And so what this is doing for Mac is essentially kind of the same thing where it's, you know, all like a very, very complex compatibility layer that allows Windows code to run natively on, or, you know, it, through a translated way on uh, Apple Silicon, on a ARM, you know, structured components. and. That's huge because one of the reasons that, you know, software only goes places that people feel there's a, a way to make money off of it. You know, yeah. if they're normally porting stuff, you know, we, we joke about bad ports all the time, but it's really hard to do. Like, it's very hard to port something from one, you know, language essentially into another one. You're, you're translating a, an entire, you know, software package. So for this, they said in their, uh, their keynote, you know, normally a port job that could take, you know, weeks or months and an entire team of people with this like new instant. tool could take hours or days, yeah. you know, and that's pretty insane. Like, again, random people are just getting cyberpunk running on a Mac. That is not right. a Mac game that has yeah. never ran on a Mac before, you know, this just came out. So I think it's I think it's really cool. You know, people spend a lot of money on these machines and they should be able to have access to more games, more entertainment, more software. And again, competition is is great. I mean, this this is really cool stuff, I think. It's really cool. It's really cool. Like you said, I think for competitions, it's going to be huge. I think we'll start to see a lot more Mac ports. They did a huge – that getting Kojima to come there with WWC Keynote yeah, and, yeah. like, and native, say Death Stranding, know, Death Stranding was coming and that, like, future Kojima projects will be – have Mac ports. That That's is – they couldn't have – the only thing they could have done better was gotten Miyazaki to come and say, <laughs> oh, from soft. Elden Ring you know DLC, I mean? like, Mac OS exclusive. Dude, like that, that was like getting Kojima to come and say, like, I believe in like making products for Mac going forward. That is like such a strong start to making a push for having games taken seriously on your OS. Yeah. Um, it says in this article that uh, so the, the tool, the, the Proton like tool, like is what we mentioned earlier. It's called the Game Porting Toolkit. And it's like, like you said, it's insane that we're seeing people like within two, a day, two days already have AAA games yeah ported over that they just did at home and this in hours like this and is they like, didn't do and they, they don't run particularly fantastic but these are people who did it in under a day <laughs> yeah. at their house 
yeah, you're crowdsourcing game development, game porting, which I think is like really cool if it allows people to do this. Like um, the the fact that technology, that software has actually gotten to this point, I think is really remarkable. It's like case in point, you know, Moore's law, like in action of just, right. you can brute force this level of like uh, hardware translation, software translation, code translation in real time. Like this is unthinkable, you know, yeah, like yeah, five years right. ago, 10 years ago, the fact that this is even a thing. It says here that the it says the the new game porting toolkit provides an emulation environment to run your existing unmodified Windows games, and you can use it to quickly understand the graphics feature usage and performance potential of your game when running on a Mac. So it kind of sounds like you like port it over, it analyzes it and tells you like the potential uh, maximum usage of what the software might be, and then you can configure it to mm -hmm. run in a specific way, like, you know, dedicate certain amounts of resources to it or something like yeah. that. It's, it's very interesting. And honestly, this is crazy too. It already supports direct X 12 games, which is like, that's, that's, that's super new. That's big. I mean, that's the current, you know, graphics API for windows, right. you know, every, everything is being built on direct X 12. Now this is, this is cool. This is super yeah. cool. I might try and get Diablo four running on my Mac later just to see. Yeah. Just do it as a test. Um, just as a test. I got it on my steam deck. Um, yeah. traveling the next couple of days. And that, that's the exact kind of thing. You know, you, we have the ability with, uh, you know, from proton on Linux, you can literally download, you know, Battle.net and have it in at the exe, the windows executable and have it download Diablo four, all windows files, all the windows executable and run it in proton and it works on the steam yeah. deck. it's it's pretty insane that it is they insane. did not make that game for linux it just works on linux because of proton which is pretty nuts it, it's really interesting too like uh, i think a lot of people don't know mac mac os is very similar to linux because they both the root of both of them is unix mm -hmm. so um there are a lot of similarities when you're developing things around uh any kind of unix based system um so it's interesting to see. I, I wonder if they straight up looked at Valve's because the Proton, the yeah, Proton project source. is open source. I bet they just looked at this and said, we can actually use this. It's we're already a Unix system. Proton's based on a Unix system. Mm -hmm. It was probably once they probably had it, they probably were able to integrate it in a super meaningful way. And now they're unleashing a new product with its. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, it's I just, just think this is it's really cool to see Apple pushing their software forward like this um, in, in new ways, you know, with this kind of focus on gaming, focus on new aspects of their hardware, their their silicon, their chips. Like, it's cool to see, man. Like I said, I, I, I love I love Windows. I love Mac. I love all these platforms. I love Linux, you know, and I, I yeah. love seeing the, the competition where it's not a walled. It's funny to say not a walled garden when you're talking about Apple, but, you know, opening up more platforms for gaming for entertainment i just think is is really cool in the pc sphere it's going to be really interesting to see how how it affects things for mac and gaming on mac mm -hmm. and also it'll be really interesting to see how i i do think that this was announced with the intent of having things come to vision the the apple vision pro is that what it's called <laughs> yeah it is I, it's a, um, it's an odd name. <laughs> yeah, it is an odd name. Um, but I, you know, I I think they have that intent as well. I I so badly like I'm already I'm already like yo I want like a plucky squire <laughs> AR port where he just like jumps off of like on your like, desk he's interacting your with you like know. your yeah. 
I think AR is super cool. I've always been super big on it. Honestly, like I always thought AR was cooler than VR just from a utility standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think Apple is jumping into that realm of like, yeah, there's there's a lot of utility here. Um, I'm interested. I, I like you said, I they're gonna you know they're targeting consumers, but I I'm interested to see if they're gonna target more B two B, more enterprise, more academia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know will they have their salespeople hitting up colleges trying to buy them yeah yeah it's as, as know, teaching tools um yeah it's going to be inter- it's going to be really interesting like i don't think people really realize the capability of ar like mm-hmm. they'll be able to use it for like i'm sure we'll get to a point where you can even use it for like shooting training you know what i mean like yeah pra- like target practice you know what mm-hmm. i mean but like, well, i'm sure the, the u.s military is probably watching that presentation like mm. <laughs> there's gonna be so much utility around it i'm excited for the first step it feels like a first step to me and i think there's a yeah. lot of people who look at it and they're just like it, it kind of who's, repel- who's gonna buy this yeah who's like- gonna buy it and i think people are repelled from the advancement of technology but there's no stopping the train, man. I, I there's no stopping, and I, I, I also I wonder what Twitter would have been like if it was here when the iPhone one was announced. I feel like yeah, it would have got a good fucking point. ragged on. There, there's a great. You can actually go back. There's like old forums that still have threads from when like the first iPhone was announced. Uh, you know, like even Apple like fan forums, and they're so funny to go back to because you see, and you know, like these people were perfectly justified at the time in their opinions, but looking yeah. back on it, there were some, some people were just like, you know, this is utterly ridiculous like this is a joke they're gonna cancel this product line in like six months no one's gonna buy this like what are they doing and then why would i why would i spend four hundred dollars on a phone that does everything my my computer already does does. yeah or my my flip flip phone phone does you know and i think that's where we are right now i really do i think that's where we are right in this moment yeah um that's why I yeah. keep going back to spatial computing, I think, is, is a very smart way of branding it because, you know, yeah. people people have opinions about VR, virtual reality. They even might have an opinion about AR, but like spatial computing. Spatial computing. It's like, uh, you computing, know, the, the, the branded kind of thing that always, you know, gets into people's heads. No, it's super cool. Um, all right, let's jump over to a different company. But we got to <laughs> we got to pour one out, man. We got to pour one out for. For good old GameStop. Um, oh, they've they have just they've been through it. <laughs> they've been through it, man. They have they've really been through it. Been through it. Uh, GameStop, uh, who Kotaku, this is really funny. Kotaku has as GameStop. <laughs> I was confused CEO, there for a second too. Fire CEO as a uh, sorry GameStop fire CEO as a meme stock as meme stock plummets. Um, this is actually from like thirty minutes ago. Probably. Yeah, this, this is, is this is hot this fresh content. This is hot off the presses. GameStop has terminated CEO Matt Furlong and announced that meme stock investor and super stock <laughs> cult hero Ryan Cohen <laughs> will take over as executive chairman. Wait, is These that real? Words. I didn't even reel that. I didn't even yeah, read that. Yeah, yeah. The famous brick and mortar uh, gaming retailer stock price proceeded to drop over fifteen percent in after hours trading. The news comes as the company reported a disappointing first quarter for its 2023 fiscal year, despite being profitable for the first time in years back in February. Oh, that's I didn't know that. That's actually kind of promising. GameStop is back in the red with a net loss of 50.5 million for the for the period and canceled its planned call with analysts to discuss the results. This is a roller coaster of an article. Wait, this is this sounds like they're like wrapping. They're like they're wrapping up the doors. yeah. Yeah. What the hell? 
That's just a third of what the losses were this time last year, but still pours cold water on the hopes that the company would quickly and radically transform itself into something that other than a business that sells physical games in a marketplace where players are increasingly pivoting to digital downloads. Yeah, dude, this is why Alan Wake's going digital only. Okay? Like, come on. <laughs> they, they saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, they bro, knew the they, stock was going to fall. They saw the graffiti up on the game stonk. <laughs> Um, all right. This is, it's this crazy, is, man. Like this, this is company is, has been through so much, like all the meme stuff, the wall street bets, everything. Like, it's hard to even imagine this separated from all of the insanity that the stock has gone through. Um, I, I like, I, I wish they would, I wish they would get it together. Cause like having a physical place to go and buy and talk about games is great. Uh, I feel like it they're is. just, they've, they've messed, they've fumbled the bag on it for so many years that it just, I always feel sad when I go into a GameStop. Do you feel the same way? Like there's something yes. sad about it. Yes. Like it's, it's very sad. Yeah. It's really sad. And it used to, I go back and forth on it. Like there's, you know, I, I agree with you. I think there is something special about having a place to go and talk about games. That's like very special. But you know, when we were young, when we were kids, like that was, there was no digital option. There was no, there was no, other place to go is GameStop. That was there, or EB Games. Yeah, you know, Electronics but, Boutique, man. That's yeah, it was at my local mall. It was great. I actually love. I think I liked EB Games more, actually. But yeah, I did too. Rest in peace. <laughs> but I loved going to GameStop. It was the best. Like I knew the people yeah. that worked at my local GameStop, and like Sammy. you know, yeah, you even just from them. going with my mom up to, through, I was a teenager. Like I knew the people that worked there. Bob mm-hmm. at the Wolf Den worked at our local GameStop too. Wow. Um, but like. You know, it's it's a new age. It's a new age, and I think I'm surprised they're still around. Really, I yeah. they have done zero, really <laughs> zero effort to adapt to like the to yeah. the changing market. And I think, like you said, having a place to go is huge. I think there's such a big hole for that that no one really is touching. Yeah. And I think GameStop's still in a position to where they could do that, but I think they have to go all in on it. A couple of years mm-hmm. ago, I feel like I remember them saying they wanted to convert all of their GameStops to like a like a community place that would have like yeah. you know TVs and playable consoles and stuff. And I think I saw like one or two of them do it, but then I feel like they kind of gave up on it. And I think I really do think this. I think GameStop should be a place that hosts Smash Ultimate tournaments, local Smash Ultimate tournaments. Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments on like on the weekends like every yeah, day yeah. at a GameStop there should be a different event they should like get contractors in their remaining stores convert part of the store to be a communal space like if there's a a vacant store next to you buy that knock it down make the entire second half a communal tournament thing like that's you know what I mean you have to become at this point to become a serious store in a in a in a market like this, you have to be a part of the community where you exist. Yeah. Because otherwise, people have no interest in going to the store. Like people have no interest in going to stores. Yeah, there's, there's no reason. For, yeah, there's no reason for them to do it. You need to like be more of a communal hub, which is something they said they wanted to do, then they just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like that would work. I do feel like that would work because. There's only a handful of places that you can go to to do those things. Or you go to, like, card shops. Um, yeah. They might need some, like, air fresheners. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah I, I, think, I think if they did that, they, they could actually survive or in some form. I don't know. If they're never going to be, you know, the titan that they were in 2003. 
Yeah, but, but like you know, no one is probably in this. Yeah, no one is. They change. Yeah, nobody is. And like, make yourself, make yourself like, oh, like the place where people go to buy. Oh my god, I can't believe they have a copy of. I don't know. Uh, I can't believe they have like an unopened copy of Pokemon Crystal uh, on the. You Ooh. know what I mean? Like for I'll sale on the under the glass case. Like yeah. it should be a. It should be like a collector's store almost at this point. Like you have to. Yeah, yeah. It should feel like you're going into a local mom and pop card shop. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I you know I don't have a business degree. I'm sure I don't know how any of this stuff works, but like I imagine that the same way. You know, like hone in on those certain things. Like you know, you probably have to close some locations. I'm sure you can't necessarily have you know hundreds of thousands of those sorts of things, but something that feels more like you know a place to go that feels like it has a maybe shifted into some kind of like a luxury space or something. You know, like the Apple approach. You know, or like you go to the yeah. Apple store to feel cool you know it feels cool when you walk in like it's clean it's bright like when every time i go to a GameStop, it just feels like it's about to close you it, know it, it feels like 1998 it's yeah got the same and every GameStop has the same old same paneling carpet. same, <laughs> same carpet, paneling same old paneling because they it's to hang stuff but it's just like dude <laughs> i'm gonna hang myself in there no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just um but like Dude, it's it's just yeah. I I think if they really want to stay open, if they're serious about the industry that they're in, the community that they want to be in, they need to become mm -hmm. a part of the community. They need to. I would love to have a GameStop where I could go on Saturdays and see like what new old vintage things they have in stock. Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome because I yeah. I used to love doing that for to card shops. I used to play Yu Gi Oh when I was like thirteen. I used to go yeah. to tournaments on Saturday. I would like look at under the case. And see all the like rares that they had for like thirty dollars oh, a piece, and it's I would be like, "Oh my god, it. if only I had twenty five dollars to buy that Time Wizard," which eventually I did. Yeah, but it's like that should be the feeling I get when I go to a GameStop. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I, I agree completely. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone who's saying like, "Oh, you know, protect the the corporation here," but they're in a way GameStop is kind of like one of the last bastions of like physical media in the gaming industry. You know, like a place that. You know, they sell Funko Pops and stuff, too, but like sells games, just sells boxes yeah. of games. And if they shut down for good, then, you know, what else do we have here in America? At least like Best Buy, uh, Walmart, Target. And there it's are just, some you know, cool local mom and pop game stores, yeah. too, that do feel like what I'm describing. But they're, yeah, yeah. they're so far and few between that. I don't even think GameStop doing this would like be that harmful for them, at least not now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think GameStop should try and do that. But. I don't think they will. I think GameStop yeah. will be gone within five years. If that, yeah, happens. they're probably just going to wind up um, just liquidating whatever the hell they got. And it, like, it's a bummer because I, I, it's such a important part of my relationship to games. Same. Like my growing up, like everything Midnight releases. Was, I yeah, have like such a game. soft spot for games for uh, GameStop. Yeah. I, I remember, and, and those motherfuckers are going to take Think Geek down with them. Oh God, you're right. I forgot they own That's it. That's how they oh. started selling the Funko Pops and all that stuff. Yeah, and Think Geek was that. awesome. I just didn't yeah. have adult money to buy anything. What a bummer! I know. Oh, I have such a vivid memory of going to like in the car on the way to the electronics boutique at the local mall to get a copy of Pokemon Gold. It was like November 2000. Oh God, like going in the store, walking down the aisle, like looking at the strategy guides, the big box PC games, like all those sorts of things. It's just oh God. 
so it's fun. Awesome. It was you know, awesome, so fun. dude. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's just nostalgia, like, you know, the industry's changed, digital purchases and stuff, but you can still have a place to, to go. I don't know. Like we need, we need people fighting for, fighting for that physical media, for that place, for that place, you know, because otherwise we're just going to be living in our Apple Vision Pros for the rest Forever. of our lives. Yeah. Buying Absolutely our digital games. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's move on from GameStop. Pouring out. We'll see how it goes with those guys. <laughs> Pouring out for the homies at GameStop. Moving on to the next one here. Let's see what we got. Um, oh, you know, back to the beginning, just as we were mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, Diablo 4 launches immediately, sets new record as Blizzard Entertainment's fastest selling game of all time. That's crazy. Yeah. And I will say it, really it, it is insane how many people I've seen, I see playing Diablo 4 on Twitch, how many people are interested in it. Like, I didn't yeah. think, I don't know, I didn't expect Diablo to have this much interest on like a grand scale. And yeah. you know what? It's got to be the strong female lead. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I believe in, I believe in it. Mommy Lilith, there Front she and is. Center. Yeah, it's big Look mommy her, energy. All, people, and all people her beauty. Love people love a dummy mommy. She's awesome. That's 2023 summed up. Um, yeah, it's funny that you say that. Like Diablo. <laughs> yeah, imagine if he was on the cover. Picture <laughs> of Anarius, by the way. A picture of Anarius for the audio listeners. <laughs> They, it's easy to think like, you know, because they release, well, Blizzard releases things so infrequently in general, but like especially Diablo games that it's easy to, to if you're not someone who's like a fan or thinking about it, to forget about it. But Diablo 3 actually had an equally gigantic launch when it first came out too. And there weren't even console I versions do, at the time. Yeah. It only came out on PC back then. Diablo 3 was only PC? Yeah. The, the console oh, wow. I didn't, didn't even come know out that. Until, yeah. Until much later. Initially, that was 10 years actually, ago when people didn't even like, not like nobody had gaming pcs relative yeah. to today i mean the ps4 and the xbox one weren't even out yet at the time uh so the first versions came That's out on like the insane. ps3 and the 360 yeah there was controversy at the time because people were like no this is a pc franchise like how is it even going to work on a controller and lo and behold it's great on a controller <laughs> um it feels great it honestly yeah. feels great on a controller and it feels which makes me happy for the steam deck and yeah i played I a like, little bit on the steam deck it like it almost feels like it's made for handheld it's so good because it's like top yeah, down yeah. It's so good. Oh my god! This it's crazy how how well this franchise does. How good, uh, how well Blizzard games sell as well in general. Like I think they, you know, they've got oomph from uh, the marketing. I think a lot of that comes down to that too. Like there's, you know, billboards, there's TV ads and stuff like that. But just I don't know. There's more people who dig these these franchises and they're like their aesthetic and their the the names of stuff you know to just know about it and don't act on it until a new one comes yeah. out and then they come out of the woodwork and they buy it and they play it like this is yeah. i'm even surprised by this too because it's been so long since diablo 3 came out it's crazy too. exactly and i think i think we're seeing a lot of ips like they're kind of getting a a lot of ips that haven't had a modern swing or getting their mm-hmm. modern swing and i think with the elevation and more people that are getting into gaming now and yeah. people are more and more excited to uh to do that yeah so that's it's... a good point too i mean there's there's also just more people playing games than ever before as well um and this has the advantage of diablo 4 coming out on pc playstation 4 xbox one playstation 5 xbox series x and s like yeah like yeah just just yeah. grand play this wherever the hell you own a console oh yeah <laughs> exactly the just the, 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 the entry points are huge for 
for the mass market, it's, it's yeah. It's and huge. like, if you're someone with a PS4, you know, like you're not exactly getting like tons of big new releases these days. So, you know, yeah. if this comes you're, out, it's like grabbing. front and center. Yeah. On the storefront, you're like, sure, that sounds cool. Then you grab it and, you know, bada boom. Diablo 4, the highly anticipated new installment of the iconic Diablo series is now live. Already, it's Blizzard's fastest selling game of all time with Blizzard's highest pre-launch pre-launch unit sales ever on both console <laughs> and PC. In the Crazy. four days since early access started on June 1st, Diablo 4 has been played for 93 million hours or over 10,000 years. The equivalent of playing 24 hours a day since the beginning of human civilization. <laughs> that is such a funny sentence. It's insane. I, I would love to see more games relate their launch hours to the human the start of human civilization. years and the, the dawn of civilization like oh yeah more people have played halo since you know like humankind first learned to write <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you see diagrams like showing how big earth is relative to the other planets and sun and <laughs> yeah. moon yeah. and stars yeah give me like line bar charts of you know like years since the dawn of man <laughs> that um, uh, people have been playing like overwatch let's see what blizzard had to say this is a moment Years in the making for the Diablo 4 team, said Rod Ferguson, general manager of Diablo. Imagine having that on your LinkedIn, general manager, comma, Diablo. Uh, we're extremely proud to offer players the nichest story ever told in a Diablo game. Players have a range of choices, including personal character, customization, equipping personalized skills, blah, 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 uh, collecting legendary loot. Uh, since the game was first announced 2019, the support from millions of players around the world drove us towards this release of our dark vision of Sanctuary. Hail Lilith, blessed mother. <laughs> <laughs> the man stays True. a character. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. I'm excited to see where they go. I think the biggest thing that excites me about this game is to have... I know we rag on service games a lot, but since we're in the age of service games, I'm excited to have a service game that's not a shooter. Like, yeah, I think that's, that's a, one of the most really interesting things to me. Um, and I know yeah. MMOs fall under this category of technically their service games, but I put... I'm, I put like mmos in a different category i'm talking about yeah, like i do the same yeah i'm talking about like battle pass based service games like yeah, I, the, I like can i is... even can you even name one that's not a shooter no honestly i'd probably have to dig pretty deep to fall guys that's like the only one fall I guys uh, or maybe because genshin have battle pass i don't even think genshin has a battle pass i Rocket think it just gets League. new content with cosmetics do you shoot in genshin i thought that was like a third person shooter no no i'm saying it's not a shooter Oh, oh, oh no, oh. Genshin's like I've Breath of the Wild played. service game. Oh, interesting. I mean, I've never, yeah. I've actually never played it. Maybe I should. I think they just keep expanding it and, and it's like always free, mm. but the cosmetics just like fuel that game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. Like, um, you know, if we're, we're in this live service hellscape version of the industry, so like give us some cool, cool ones, you know what I mean? Like give us some yeah. cool new platforms. Um, I love Diablo and the fact that, you know, hopefully they, they stick the landing in, in the long run with like, you know, expansion seasons and that kind of thing. Because I love I love the game. I love the gameplay. I love the style. So I love you know, the style. Giving me so more fun. of it to come back to, I think, would be great. Uh, I again, I haven't played it yet. I, I, I'm curious, you know, more of your kind of takeaway of it so far and your your experience with it. Uh, you know, do you think those those big sales numbers are justified and, you know, how much how much fun you're having and, and talking about it with folks? So far, I do, but it's kind of a thing where time will tell. Um, yeah. I I played it a bunch on Twitch already over on Twitch.tv slash No Banana Suits. I'll be playing more there tonight, um, and I think I'll be playing it for a while, um, at least until Final Fantasy 16 comes out, which is in 15 days. Then I'll maybe split my time. But 
um so far like i so i i kind of i started out the map is gigantic mm. i started out was getting very sidetracked on side quests and all you know all these different things kind of grinding out dungeons with people because everyone's just so excited to get in there and just start playing yeah of course and that was super fun but um i wanted to grind out the story because there's some things that i wanted to i i didn't know when i'd get them i won't spoil when you get them but just things like you know you're gonna eventually get a mount like you yeah, find that out certain you systems mount character pretty systems immediately um yeah and i wanted i wanted to get my mount because i thought maybe you know that'll help me find more little statues easier more dun- i'll go side bop around side quest easier and that it does make a big difference but mm. um so I, I went and grinded out the story the story was i thought the story was really enjoyable there's some like slow parts but for the most part i thought it was really cool um i don't have like other diablo games to relate it to because i haven't played them but from what i've heard from people who have played them is that this is like the most story in a Diablo story, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So it was cool, like super dark, super like sweet. I'm trying to think. Of, it's it's almost like a, who's the guy who does like Hellraiser and all those like. like oh, Clive fly. Barker. Yeah. Oh, Clive Barker. And who's the guy who does like the fly? And he just did like that uh, Crimes of Tomorrow. Um, he does like all the Question. body horror stuff. David Lynch. Um, no, no, no. Um they like a racer head it's uh what's his name um cronenberg cronenberg like, oh word yeah not, yeah, yeah. not that gross but like it it yeah it is it gets pretty gross it's yeah, pretty bloody I, like gruesome like that, a lot of that flesh, makes me happy. like flesh doors and skin yeah. curtains and you know just like ugh. there's there's this really you're unique... squirming the whole time you're playing this game there's the this aesthetic from like the late the earth basically like the 90s where i feel like a lot of people were making you know pc games who also loved like black metal and like all this kind of like you know post 80s satanic panic stuff it was like a, a fight back against that you know you had doom quake diablo there's like this really unique kind of like gothic body horror aesthetic that i love in these franchises and i felt like that was really missing from diablo 3 so i'm thrilled to hear you say that that's back <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, a big no, way because like i love that man like that's the franchise to me diablo is this like dark gothic almost like allegorical kind of thing which i think is is just fantastic and i think uh you know a lot there's a large focus on like blood and like you're like and how blood just like relates to the world and like mm. hell and the heavens and how yeah. like we as these like lesser beings are caught in between the war of those two things and does it like matter at all and you know it's damn dude just like america 2023 yeah dude exactly (laughs) but it's it it was great i i i I really enjoyed it um the campaign it has its low parts you know there's some parts where you're like you know you maybe a little too many too many fetch quests uh yeah going through the motions but it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and now I'm at a point where I'm just kind of like, I'm actually excited. I'm I'm not here for the rest of the week because I want people to catch up because I, I want mm. to have people to like yeah. grind stuff out with around yeah. like level now 50. You're, and do you're in like the, the, what's a good way to describe it? Like, like the not the service part, but yeah, like what you would consider to be kind of like, now you're, you know, you, you hiked up the hill and now you're climbing the mountain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Way, as you kind of get to in these these MMO adjacent kind of things. There's so much to do in each area of the map, just like side dungeons wise, collecting all the Lilith statues, like and those when you do those things, it unlocks like permanent account bonuses for any future character you make. That I love. I love that yeah. they've they've really embraced more account stuff because like Blizzard has. They know that people that. are making multiple characters and they don't want you yeah, to have to yeah. like grind as hard every time. So Yeah. 
once you get uh once you get all those rewards for doing that stuff you'll have your next character can have up to like 10 skill points off the jump which is which is great um Very I think nice. that stuff kind of stuff is super cool um but getting that stuff is kind of a grind um i'm a little worried that like the dungeon grinding will become very monotonous over time but but we'll see we'll have to see i mean it's uh that's why like i'm i'm very excited to do this with people with friends and and yeah like it's one of those things where like you just see your character getting stronger and stronger yeah yeah it's like it's it's super cool to like go through that um that's always been the the joy of those games i think in a lot of ways is like you know just seeing those incremental bits of upgrades especially if you find something that gives you like a cool new perk you can kind of make it build around it or even just like you know just playing it with friends and like hours melt away where you're just mindlessly killing yeah (laughs) thousands of enemies a lot of systems in this game yeah a lot and they don't particularly like they they kind of throw them at you incrementally but at the same time it's 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 hard to get a system thrown at you at level 15 and level 20 and then a campaign and 30 levels later you're like supposed to remember that you can like (laughs) take the uh perk off a legendary and like store it and then put it on a rare to make that rare legendary thingy yeah Yeah. you can there's you know there's gems you can remove and add gems you can add gem sockets you can take the legendary perks off and put them on other ones you can upgrade rares to legendaries you can take the stats off of a weapon or gear and put that on another piece of gear you can enchant stuff there's a whole like stat system once you hit level 50 beyond just the talent trees and the gear. It's like there is Insane. a lot of systems. There's a lot. And I'm still getting accustomed to them. Yeah. Um, but like you said, all those things, all those you tweak things and like all this is like a, working on a car. You're just like making all <laughs> these little tweaks and all these different that's, places. That, that's actually a good analogy. It all, yeah. it all comes together. Yeah. in your build and you just like you have, you have this this meaty as meaty uh, whirlwind yeah. barbarian man i might actually use that that analogy is it kind of speaks to me it's like a car that you're tinkering with you know you're like changing you're tuning and you love it and you get this kind of emotional connection to it because you're just like you know you're making it your own and like that's kind of how your character is in these like arpg kind of things it's it's yeah it's really cool um and you know, like we said, it it is a service game. So uh, one thing that we, we noticed was, <laughs> yeah, uh, I had to. We had to follow up the the good news of the sales and you know the quality of the game with, of course, the fact that Blizzard is doing some pretty. These go beyond microtransactions. Like these are these are macro transactions in a seventy dollar game in with, a seventy dollar you know, hundred dollar yeah. version. Yeah. Um, I again, I haven't played yet. You know, I haven't really looked around in the store. I don't know how egregious these are in your face. These are, um, but just the pricing, like, you know, the, we've gone from when, you know, people would laugh at, you know, uh, a two to $5 armor pack in a game being like, that's outrageous. to now you've got 20 to $30 skins in you know, a full price game. And it's like, yes, this isn't a full price game. Um, but you know we see 30 40 50 60 70 dollar knives knife skins <laughs> in Valorant CS:GO spending no, thousands people, people are not like oh wow like wow how how would Valorant like the general consensus of people who play Valorant they're just like oh yeah yeah, that's just that's how it. Is. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've we've just come to accept this stuff. It's crazy. Like the the name of this the headline of this article uh, well, this is an, an opinion piece. Uh, you know, Diablo 4's $21 bone guy armor 
is just another reminder of how numb we've gotten to microtransaction hell. Um, and this is on PC Gamer. They've actually been pretty critical of um, the game in general. I think. Um, Interesting. I think they 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 like it, but I think they're being they're trying to be a bit harsher on these sorts of systems, which is you know, hey man, good for them. I'm glad some people are commenting on it. Um, yeah. This person might have you know more of a bone to pick, but I think you can't really argue with the fact that like these are <laughs> crazy prices. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's like half the cost of the game for an armor set in a game where the core content is getting cool armor, you know, and weapons and stuff. So, yeah, 100 um, percent. And I will say, like, I definitely feel numb to it in this game. Like, <laughs> um, I think I do. I do think there's a 70 dollar experience there for sure. if for the if you just want to play Diablo and you mm -hmm. want to. If you do the campaign straight up, I don't know if that's a $70 experience, but I think if you do the campaign and all of the dungeons and all of the strongholds that are available to you, and it's weird because, like, once you complete the campaign, it is a pretty much, like, pure online experience from that point on, you know? Like, yeah. A lot of these things, like world bosses spawning in the world and um, different events that can happen in the world, all of that is based on an online timer. And you do that with other people who show up to these events. And I think yeah. if you do the campaign and you clear out the map, you do those events, you, you, you do all the dungeons, the strongholds, kill some world bosses, I do think there's a $70 experience there. So... From my point of view, like after that, everything else is now. Now you're in service land. Um, <laughs> you're the kingdom of service, service topia. Yeah, ex exactly. But I, I think with games at this point, I, I you know I view my time like I, I view my time as like a dollar an hour now with like mm -hmm. like like, and I try to compare like games to going to see a movie in the theater. Yeah. If I'm going to go see a movie in a theater for 20, 20, you know, 20 bucks in some places, like 25 bucks, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's like 12 and a half dollars an hour or whatever, or, you know, 10, 10 to $12 an hour. Um, if I spent 50 hours in Diablo probably already, and I'm not even close to done at 70, what is that like? A dollar. A dollar eighty. I'm spending an hour ish. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's there's far worse investments you could make for yeah. that amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So I think like the investment is there. Like I think, and I I, I kind of do this with like most games now, and I I kind of use mo going to see a movie as my baseline always because yeah, that is something that I also enjoy doing. But you know, like again, it's twenty dollars for two hours of your time versus sixty seventy dollars for potentially fifty to a hundred. To two hundred dollars, I mean, hours of your of your of entertainment for you. Um, I don't know if that's a bad way to look at it. Some people might think that's like too business transactionally for them, but that's kind of how I look at it. Like I I don't feel particularly ripped off by games unless I feel like I've sunken under that value of cost per hour scaled next to a movie. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm entertained yeah, yeah. for the 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 same rate of a movie, then then I'm I don't feel ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. That is, that is always tough. I go back and forth on that. Like, you know, how I justify the cost. Cause like it, it's so you can try to give it an objective measurement like that, which I think is, I do the same thing, but there's also just like 
so much of it is subjective too, you know, like, yeah, 100%. there's been times where I've spent, you know, 60 or 70 bucks on a game that, you know, was like 10 hours, you know, around there, maybe shorter, maybe a little bit longer. And like something about it was just so fantastic within that experience that I was perfectly comfortable with. Yeah. That. Um, but even but under, then there's something even like, under that, know, even under that, a six hour game for 60 bucks, that's $10. That's $10. An hour, like, that's still great. <laughs> yeah, compared that, to other things that's still so much better that like you know what i mean yeah. compared to other things yeah you know, that's and i think that that's where like you know we get to the the core issue i think that a lot of people you know myself included have with with macro transactions like this is if you're saying okay i'm spending 70 dollars on this game i didn't buy the deluxe turbo ass blaster edition i just got the 70 dollars version and you know i'm potentially getting you know hundreds of hours of fun over time and then there is a cosmetic armor set that does nothing but just looks cool and it's like yeah. $25 and it's like you can't even equate that to fun yeah it's it's not an activity it's not content in the same way that like the game the software is it's like you're just buying a pretty thing it's almost like buying a I don't know like a a, a pair of shoes or like a handbag or something you know what I mean right. um yeah. even those you get more you it's hard it's it's tough to quantify because like yeah that is the cost. That's like, you know, such a large fraction of the actual cost of the software that at this point, like how high is, how high is this going to go? People are buying it. You know, these things are in these games because people are buying it. They're making billions yeah. of dollars off of these transactions. Right. How high is it going to go? Are they going to start, you know, not just Blizzard, but like other companies too, like everybody, $30 Assassin's Creed Valhalla has this, and that's not even an online game like that. That's you don't even know one's. No one's seeing your twenty dollars skin pack in Valhalla. Like that's, yeah. that's I, that makes it, it makes even less sense. Um, it, yeah. it makes even less sense. But like, uh, no, I, I agree with you. But and I, for me personally, like I don't mind the games having this for an online game. If people want to spend their money to look cooler in the world, sure. That you know, mm -hmm. that's what you want to buy. That's what you want to buy. Yeah. My issue with it comes now when everything that you get in the game looks like shit yes. like it has no effort put into it compared mm -hmm. to what you can buy in the store yeah and i don't think we know yet if if diablo will go that route um yeah. but like that to me is when it becomes an issue when like when you st when we played wow in 2005 2006 or whatever mm -hmm. this the coolest looking things you could get <laughs> were the hardest things to earn. Yeah, everybody looked like shit. And if you saw someone who looked cool and actually had like knew coordinated they were the armor, yeah, they, there was a correlation between, honestly, at that point, really skill, I think. Because yeah, like, you yes. know, you, you couldn't, you could get carried into some, you know, high level dungeon raid content, like Molten Core and stuff. For the most part. There, but yeah, you had to be like dedicated to it. Yes. Um, and, you know, blah, 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 nerds dedicating a bunch of time. Like some people just want to pay money and look cool right off the bat. But like that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> it takes the fun out I, of it. And yeah. you just see you see somebody wearing it. You're like, oh, that means nothing. When you yeah, see yeah. someone in, in 2006 in WoW who had the hardest level raid difficulty endgame armor from the final boss, you were like, not only does yeah. that look cool, but it is just so cool to see. Because it, it was emblematic a, of it's a dedication. Symbol. Yes, it's yeah. a symbol of them achieving something that most people cannot do in the game. Yeah, it's a digital status symbol. And, and you know, we're seeing like with this, 
where, you know, it's all about just looking cool, making your character look cool. And like, if they offer more ways to do that, that's good. But there's also like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like you see like a level two barbarian running around in like, you know, ultimate God Skeletor gear. And you just know that person spent like $25 in the shop on it. And like, that's just boring. Yawn. It's boring. It's just yeah. It's like seeing like Twitter blue. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just. I mean, like I'm weird... not gonna lie. I, I'm not gonna say I'm never gonna buy something in the Diablo shop. Yeah, um, I can't say the same. I can't promise that too. Like yeah. there might be something that looks really cool. And I've I've already done it. I've already bought two horses, so I don't really know what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I had the thought like as I've played you know 140 hours of Tears of the Kingdom, and there's a lot of armor. Like there's a lot of like really cool looking armor sets in that game. And I had the thought where like, you know, Nintendo has a ton of issues, but I can never fault them for not releasing like generally speaking, like finished products. Yeah. Like I was just imagining if I don't know how many there, let's say there's like 20 armor sets in tears of the kingdom, which it kind of feels like there are, it's a $70 game. And like, for me, a lot of the fun is finding those collecting them, making link look cool. And I was just thinking like, you know, if they could have taken one or two of these out and had them be like 99 cents, two ninety nine yeah. on the eShop and like nope. people would buy they them. Put but like so many, so many armor sets in the game. Yeah. That's the thing is and it's cool like you could say, ones. yeah, like there's that feel, I feel respected as a gamer, as a consumer, as someone who bought this experience and got like a complete gameplay experience but also like a fun cosmetic experience i didn't feel like i was nickel and dimed because they're abusing some part of my brain that wants some cool looking shiny thing you know and i i don't know if i could even rise above that if i were a game developer because there's the question of like ethics you know if i could if i take some of the content out and sell it additionally i could make like another 10 million dollars off my game yeah yeah. How do how do I say no to that? You know, how does anyone say no to that? How, you have to like, I don't know. It's like regulations. I don't even know how we stop this snowball from rolling down the hill with with cosmetics and, and transactions I, and swiping the card. I think there's no stopping it. I think there's only slowing it down to the point where games will only won't games will only do it when they are intending to be primarily something servicey or we will just see like less service games being released Mm -hmm. um because a lot of them are are starting i think we're seeing a more of a trend of them shutting down shutting down quickly (laughs) yeah within like six Um, months yeah and also just getting like destroyed from reviews like yeah avengers anthem redfall was not a service game but for it might DNA as well have one, been yeah. yeah it it was going to be one right it had the dna of it exactly um back for blood like there are some horror stories out there and i think all we can hope for is that they become lessons for the industry i have a feeling suicide squad is going to be another one. Oh god i keep forgetting that game's even coming out Jeez. that's going to be like the canary in the cold month and we're past the canary at this point you know that's going to be like the miners dying in the mine <laughs> like there- whether that game crashes and burns or not. So coming back to Diablo, like I, I, I do think people are numb to it. I feel like I'm yeah. even in that group, but I think um, personally, I feel like this is the kind of service game. If we're going to have them that like needs to exist, uh, coexist with like the shooters services. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think it it kind of makes sense to have the shop as it does, especially if we're going to be yeah. getting a lot of free content later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I think all the story yeah. stuff is supposed to be free, free updates. I think that's that's one of the big questions is like, you know, do you feel like if are they going to use the profits from this yes, to obviously exactly. lines and pockets, but like, are they going to put it back into creating the game great content right. for the game? Like in that case, then hell yeah. Like that's one of the reasons that I fell off of destiny too. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but like the, I felt personally like, you know, they, they have so many ways of monetizing that game. They've really weaponized like a lot of addictive stuff and, you know, they, they've really like mastered the service thing Bungie has. And like, I don't think that they are the returns from that all the money they're making go back to making really good content. I felt like that really dropped off. And for me, then I feel like I'm getting ripped off. I'm like, well, what am I even paying for at that point? Whereas in this, it's like, if you're putting out like great, cool story content, you've given me reasons to come back. Then like, sure. If some, you know, person spends a couple hundred dollars on skins, then like, you know, whatever, like, yeah, fun, cool content. And don't, and don't get it twisted either. Like, People who who look at Destiny as a success story, the only reason Destiny is successful is because it was first. That is the mm. only reason. Like, and I don't mean successful as a game in the way it launched, because I think the base game that Bungie launched would have been successful either way. Yeah, I mean awful. successful in the, I, success from their service elements that kind of dripped in over time. Like, yeah, the, the long term. The lo- yeah, the long term stuff. Um, yeah, they had a lot of time to to innovate in that space because there there wasn't the competition they really they they kind of had that leg up so apparently diablo is going to get additional story content every three months that's really that's that's ambitious man i mean we'll see i don't know if that's paid or not that's where it gets like tricky with the store is like yeah either you have to make that content cheaper or free like if that's yeah. like thirty dollars every three months, and yeah, you have the store with all that stuff, like you can't. Yeah, then it feels like you're getting nickel and dime. Yeah, you have to use the like you said the profits you're getting to respect the players who are like in your ecosystem. Um, until you do like a big expansion, and then you have people buy the expansion. Like 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 basically, if you're gonna try and if you're gonna try and have MMO elements to the point of like you know, the way that wow is set up or, or any MMO, you have to at least provide the, the content updates in between the expansions. So I could see Diablo having like smaller patch content updates like Final Fantasy 14 or wow. And then a, an expansion once every year or two. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like doing paid content every three months and having the store that feels yeah. like kind of ludicrous to me in a gut sense, yeah. but we're, we'll see. We're just in such a weird place in the, the, the industry where things have changed so much that the expectation with these things, or at least what developers and you know publishers are trying to do is get people always playing your game. They want that to be like your game that you are either always playing or that you come back to like every month, every couple of weeks, every three months versus back in the day, like, you know, Diablo two that had one expansion. Um, and that was it, you know, and that was the right. game and they, they patched it and stuff like that over time, but like, it still kept that community. And there was the expectation that, you know, you finish a game and then come back if something new came to it or revisit it, that kind of thing. And 
you know, there was just less on the market. Whereas now, like there's so many games, there's so much competition. There's this sense of like, you need to constantly have people be playing your game. Like I'm imagining, like I'm not planning on playing Diablo like every day for the rest of my life, as much as I love it. Like my, I would probably do what I did with Diablo three, which is play a lot of it, put it down for yeah, a while, come, come back, back if there's an expansion, revisit it here and there. But it's like, who knows? Like if this is a genuinely a really compelling service game, then like maybe it will be the thing that I, I you know, come back to every, every couple of weeks. Or you have longer stretches like, with like, um, like Fortnite, like, wow, like Valorant, where you play, you'll play for three, four months. Yeah. Put it down, step away for a while, come back for a month, put yeah. it down, come back for three months, put it down. Um, yeah. I could see that being in my, I could honestly see this game being in my rotation if it's, if it's a compelling. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. So that's, it, that's I, I, I just looked something up and, and we can, we can wrap up, uh, we can wrap up after, after this, but, um, so it said, speaking with game informer, Blizzard associate game director, Joe Piperro, Piperro has shed some Piperro. light on the team's plans for Diablo 4's post launch content. I think this is from Ooh. April of last year. So this is kind of an older article. Um, this is from, oh, it's no, it's from last month, April 12th, 2023. All right. Cool. Um, uh, Fresh. post launch content, which will come as free and premium content. So this is where we get into the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, which, the toe tipping. For yeah. free content, we can expect to see seasonal updates applied every three months that will introduce small story additions to tie in new gameplay mechanics and mm-hmm. more complex systems to the ever-growing world of Sanctuary. These quarterly updates will be accompanied by a new battle pass, which will have free and premium tracks you to work through, both of which will offer cosmetic items. The first season won't go live until Sunday after Diablo's launch, which we know is about mid-July. Um, the seasonal updates will fill the gap between purchasable, purchasable expansions that will include a much larger amount of content. Diablo for launches on, uh, okay. So they are doing expansion route. So this, I think they're going to be trying to tiptoe the line. Very, it sounds like they're walking on a tight rope with this. Um, yeah, they're going the, bu- the bungee route. It sounds like of like, Hey, here's like some seasonal stuff, but like the big content you got to you know, pony up I, I for. I think this is like the best way to look at, to look at it. Will Diablo 4 go the bungee route or will they go the Final Fantasy 14 route? Mm-hmm. Like how slash wow, like which one yeah. will Diablo be? Because you're going to either be a game with absolute. And listen, I know uh, not every wow expansion is beloved, but I will say, <laughs> say the, mo- the past couple of years of destiny seasonal expanded expansion content not the big expansions, like the smaller ones in between the seasons, are dog shit. Like they, I think they are like the way the amount of disrespect they have for the players makes them so much worse than the worst WoW expansion. I'm not even kidding. Like I, I mm-hmm. think they are so embarrassingly greedy and bad that it's some of the worst value you can put into the video game industry as a player. So mm. it's does Diablo become that with like really poorly thought out and not that much care put into its seasonal content um, and then like expansions once a year? Or is it like Final Fantasy 14? Wow, where you get one expansion, but then all the patch content is like still good. Yeah, good stuff. It's still good stuff. Like it's still yeah. stuff that has weight and tries to impact the players in meaningful ways, not just like here's more of the exact same thing, but more boring. Like, <laughs> um, that I think that's 
like the line they need to focus yeah, around. Yeah. It's like which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to be? And it, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. Only only time will tell. That's a good question. I mean, we we really are going to see. Like this is a. F- a fascinating time to be, you know, watching all this stuff and keeping track of it. Cause like, you know, if we're getting fun games, like we're going to have a blast with this game, regardless of what it turns into. Like you said, you, you know, it seems like there's, you get your money's worth at least from, you know, the initial launch experience, but like, yeah, which, which way is it going to go? Are we going to be, you know, a, a year and a half from now or two years saying like, man, like this is just the best. Like I love coming back to Diablo. It's always so much fun. Like the content's great. The expansions have been killer so far. Or is it going to be that kind of thing of just like, you know, you, you feel compelled sucks. to come back and it like yeah. kind of sucks. And, you know, you're, you're, you're like, why am I even doing this? You know, aside from just sunk cost, you know, is it, is it going to be fun or is it going to, you know? Yeah, we're going to find out. It'll be interesting to yeah. see. I still have to play it. <laughs> I know. Hopefully next time we record, you'll have some hours so we can talk. About yeah, I think more. next week I will because I'm about to, I'm pretty sure after this this uh, recording finishes, I might finish Tears of the Kingdom. We'll see. Dude, text me right away. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Um, and, then, and then if you don't want to jump into Diablo, you can just step outside and see hell IRL <laughs> because. The uh, gates of the hell maw opening the gates up. The gates of hell and... are opening from the sky, raining down fire upon all of New York State. Yeah, everybody uh, on the Northeast, or honestly, even all the way down, like North Carolina, yeah, it's getting Carolina all the way down there. Even. Like, everybody stay safe, you know, uh, yep. stay indoors. Stay safe. Um, I'm going to buy an Diablo. air purifier for my house just because. I got mine going full blast right now. Yeah, for my mom's house, uh, just because, you know, you know, the, the you got to watch yeah. out for the elderly, man. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that, but. <laughs> oh, I think it meant like the elderly are the ones causing the problem. <laughs> Oh yeah, they, you gotta they, watch out for the. Elderly. They're angrily starting forest fires in Canada, but I don't know. Man. Just with everything between COVID and this, it just feels like the world's just yeah. like going to shambles. So an air purifier yeah. will fix it right up. <laughs> That's why I'm excited about the Apple Vision Pro, man. Who cares? Like everything's cares? falling we'll, apart. We'll just get excited about here. something. <laughs> um, bye, everybody. Like we said, stay safe. Um, you can catch me on Twitch.tv/slash No Banana Suits. You can catch Welsh at uh, Twitter.com/slash or at Sean Welsh Brown on Twitter. Um, I'm also no banana suits everywhere else. You can find us on YouTube at S rank pod, um, TikTok and Twitter as well at S rank pod and every audio platform of your choice. Stay safe out there and we will see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace and blessings.